You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. I'm going to read the reading this morning from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. Okay. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Good morning. Let me tell you. As a church, we, we love sharing stories. I want to tell you a story that came into us this week about something the Lord did last Sunday. It was a beautiful story. Um, it's what it says. I have been coming to Whole Vineyard regularly since September 2021. Each week, I would ask my husband to attend with me. But being a non-Christian, having no faith, he declined each week, saying that the Bible is all made up and God is not real. Last Sunday, he finally agreed to attend the Sunday morning church service. Towards the end of the service, a word of knowledge was given from the stage about stomach pains and aches, and Josh prayed for the discomfort to be gone. On the drive home from church, I asked my husband how he felt about the service, and he said, I still don't believe God is real, but what I will say is that I had stomach pains throughout the service until it was called out and prayed for, and then it disappeared, (laughs) and I felt fine since. How good is that? I love that. God is on the move. Christmas is coming. Put your hands up if you're excited about Christmas. Okay, most of you, that is good. Does anyone here have Christmas traditions in their home, in the family? Some people do. For many years, my, my family have been quite a boring family with Christmas traditions. We just open presents. And then we started doing something called uh, Secret Santa. Anyone done Secret Santa before? Yeah, I'm sure everyone's familiar with Secret Santa. You uh, maybe have one person you buy a gift for, and you don't really know who is giving the gift. Um, And then I discovered a new game called Dirty Santa. Has anyone heard Dirty Santa? Yeah, this is a game where, and we're doing it in our home group this Wednesday, and I'm so excited. Dirty Santa is when you bring a gift, um, and you you give it to someone, they unwrap it, and then other people can steal the gift, which is, uh, you know, I think really in tune with the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> and then, but then I've invented a new one. I'm really excited about this one. It's called Creepy Santa. 
<laughs> and I'm playing it this year, but my family don't know about it. And I really hope they're not watching because this will spoil the surprise. But basically, the idea I had was, why don't you go, like, go to a charity shop and buy or buy the creepiest thing you can? Give it to someone. I thought it would be hilarious. So I found something which I consider pretty creepy. And so I've bought, I've bought my sister taxidermy moths. <laughs> they're in my office. If anyone wants to see them, they're, um, yeah. But apparently, you know, I didn't realize there is a huge demand there is, the taxidermy moth world is thriving. Anyway. In the church calendar, we are currently in Advent. Now, I don't know if you've taken much time to think about and consider and discover what Advent is about, but it's actually a profound and significant and beautiful season in the life of the church. I discovered that Advent is actually often overlooked in this time of year because of the great joy of Christmas. It's right around the corner and the busyness of getting ready for Christmas. We often miss out on these Advent moments. But I wanted to talk about Advent because I actually think this year Advent speaks a prophetic word to where we find ourselves as a church and as a world that I think we need to pay attention to. So this morning I just want us to pause, as it were, and open up our eyes and our hearts to Advent and what Advent is all about. The word Advent means to come or arrival. And so in Advent, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus. We look back to the birth of the Messiah, that moment in history when God put on flesh and entered into our world. But we also look forward in Advent. We look forward with anticipation to the day that Jesus will return. And as we do both of those things in Advent, we find ourselves in the gap in between. We sit in the tension of those two events. We live and we become aware of the waiting and the frustration and the yearning of living in between times. This is Advent. Advent is a time to celebrate, but it's also a time to ache. It's a season of great hope and expectation, but it's also a time of longing and mourning. It's a moment of promise, but also of waiting, of beauty, but also pain. Advent is about becoming awake to living in the in-between times, being present to the lived reality that this world is not our home and we ache, and we long, and we mourn. We come face to face with the reality that things are not as they should be, but they will be. We rejoice, but we weep. We celebrate, but we lament. We are whole, yet we are broken. God is near, yet God is far. Christ has come, and Christ is still to come. We sit in this moment, this Advent moment, living in the in-between, recognizing, aware of the aches and the groans of our lives and our families and our world. I love Advent. I love it because it embodies hope in a beautiful way. It doesn't deny that life is tough, but it creates space for us to stop. It's an invitation to breathe and to become aware of God's goodness and the pain of life 
and the restlessness we have, the ache we have for Jesus to come back. And maybe this season of Christmas actually is really hard for you. I don't know how you're doing deep down, really, honestly, truly, underneath the surface, behind closed doors, but for many people, Christmas is actually the worst time of year. It's a time when grief becomes heavier, when loneliness becomes more apparent, when anxieties rise to the surface, when relational breakdown rears its head, when financial pressures often just become too much, when the things that we have buried and denied over the year become open wounds again. Advent is a time to invite the King to become present to all that, the beauty of this season, and invite Jesus to meet us in the midst of our pain and our waiting and our aching. So I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. Firstly, Advent starts by looking back. Let me unpack this a little bit. In Advent, we look back and we celebrate that moment in history when Jesus came for the first time. His entering in into our world in the most humble of circumstances. God put on skin and bones and he came to be near us. He came to be with us. The infinite God became an infant. The all-knowing one became a babbling baby. As one song puts it, the author climbed inside the page. This is the story of Christmas. I wonder if the story of Christmas has lost its power because it's become so familiar to us. Here's the incredible story that God came to be with us. Charles Spurgeon said, He who spans the heavens and holds the ocean in the hollow of his hand condescended to earth to become a baby. The king eternal became a little child. As that baby was born and slept on that first Christmas night, in the manger he was simultaneously holding the stars in place. This is God with us. It's a stunning story and a stunning reality. And as we look back on that moment, it was a concrete coming into the world of Jesus, the entering of God into the world. That moment divided history in two. That is the foundation of our hope for the future. That is our foundation of our hope, which grounds us as we live in today and we look forward to tomorrow. The Christmas story is the most magnificent story ever told, and yet it has become so familiar to us. Listen afresh to these words in John chapter 1. The word of God became flesh and made his home among us. Stunning. God came to us in the humblest of circumstances as a baby. But he wasn't just an ordinary baby. This baby grew up and he became a boy who became a man who lived and died for humanity. Christmas is the start of a remarkable story which led and has led to humanity being saved and rescued. Jesus' name tells of his purpose. The name Jesus means God saves. He came to earth that first Christmas to save. And at Advent, we celebrate that. Charles Spurgeon goes on to say, there was no way of saving us but by stooping to us. To bring earth up to heaven, he must bring heaven down to earth. And so we look back and we see that moment in time which was life changing, history shaping. And because he came once, that means he will come 
Again, in Advent, we celebrate the past, but we anticipate the future. Jesus, this is good news, Jesus, the risen king, is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back to make all things right, to make all things new. He's coming back to usher in the fullness of his kingdom, to right every wrong and to take his children to eternal paradise. Theologian George Beankin says, other men see only a hopeless end, but the Christian rejoices in an endless hope. As much as Advent is embracing a season of ache and waiting, it's also about living full of hope and expectation as we look towards that day. We're waiting not just for a possible event, but for the sure and certain return of Jesus, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. John Tyson, who is a pastor in the States, in New York City, tweeted this this week, which I love. He said, if you're having a tough day, remember, you're going to live forever in the new heaven and the new earth. If you're having a tough day, remember, you're going to live forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And here's what's going to happen on that day, according to 1 Thessalonians. The Lord will descend. There'll be a voice of an archangel. The trumpet call of God will sound. The dead will be raised up to him. The living will meet him in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. This is going to happen. Think about that. It's actually going to happen. Isn't that crazy? It's not a maybe. It's a sure and a certain hope. But right now, we live in the in-between. We're waiting. We wait with hope and with brokenness, but we wait. How is it possible for us to wait well in this season? Well, the scripture that we read today was from the book of Isaiah, written about 800 years before the birth of Jesus. Let me read verses 6 to 8. This way, 6 to 7. For to us a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's a beautiful thing to read that passage because we know that that, in part, has been fulfilled in Jesus. But imagine being given that when your life and your world as it was at that time for Israel was in complete turmoil. This was before the exile that these words were spoken to the people of God. Imagine hearing those words and living in war and and attack and, and pain every day. And God saying, hey, I want to give you a promise. You're going to have to wait for it, but here's the promise that I'm going to make things right. 800 years of waiting of longing, of aching, of weeping as the people of God moved through exile in Babylon and out and beyond. The people of God in history are no strangers of waiting. The life of the Christian is a life of waiting. The season of Advent is about waiting. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this, He says, celebrating Advent means learning how to wait. He says, not all can wait. Certainly not those who are satisfied, contented, and feel that they live in the best of all possible worlds. 
Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life, but, they have, but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world and of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. I wonder if you find yourself there today in that moment, poor in spirit, broken, restless, aching, longing. We're invited to fix our eyes on a greater future to come. In our culture today, we do everything to avoid waiting. Does anyone here actually like waiting? No, okay. We don't like waiting. It is not fun. We do everything to avoid it, to avoid boredom. Our minds must be occupied at every moment. If you go shopping and you've got a trolley and you do a big shop and then you find a massive queue, what's the first thing you do? Get your phone out. That's what I do anyway. Get your phone out and just occupy your mind so you don't have to be present to wait. Sometimes I see people waiting in a queue without their phone out, just staring, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You must be so at peace with yourself that you can bear to enjoy your own company for a while. We hate waiting. We do everything to pass time quickly so we can avoid waiting, but what if there was power in being present in our waiting? What if we could find God in the waiting? What if God is less about a final destination and more about the journey along the way? What if God wanted to reveal himself and meet us in the midst of our waiting and frustration and aching and pain? The Christmas story is a story of waiting. For hundreds of years, people are waiting for the birth of the Messiah. Then in Luke chapter one, we meet a couple called Elizabeth and Zechariah. We read verse five onwards. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and both were very old. Zechariah was a priest. Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. Both lived righteous upright, good lives, observing all the Lord's commandments. In other words, these guys were better than us. They were better than us. But they were childless. They were old. They lived a life of righteousness, but also of waiting. They've been waiting for a baby. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, we meet a man called Simeon. It's part of the Christmas story, and there was, it says this, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Here's another man who was righteous and devout. He lives with God, and yet he waits. What if God doesn't cause people to wait that are unrighteous, that are, that are you know, doing the wrong thing, and he does it as a, a father who's trying to, or a God who's trying to teach his kids a lesson? What, actually, what if there is purpose And actually, when we find ourselves waiting, we're exactly where God wants us to be. Both of those examples were good, righteous people, living in the will of God, walking in the way of God. They find themselves in a moment, a season of waiting. And guys, if you find yourself there today, in a season of waiting, you're in good company. I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you're living with a health condition. Maybe you're living with relational 
breakdown and dysfunctional money problems and you're just trying to do everything right, but you're just waiting and aching. The Bible teaches us that waiting is an inevitable part of life with God. Righteousness isn't a free ticket to instant blessing. Seasons of winter and waiting come for us all. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to have a sick heart that comes from a deferred hope. Being poor in spirit is okay. In fact, it's not just okay, but it's actually the gateway to the blessed life. We avoid pain. We avoid waiting as much as possible. But what if God wanted to teach us something in the midst of our ache that there was a greater future to come for us? This life is not all there is. What if we can find hope in our waiting? What if waiting was something not to avoid, but something to embrace and be present to? Advent is a reminder that we are all waiting. We are waiting for Jesus to return. I love the lyrics of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which says this, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. We've been talking for the last, I don't know, eight weeks about living in exile. Exile is a time of waiting. But it's in the waiting that we discover the presence of Jesus, the nearness of Jesus in a unique way. It's in the waiting that we discover trust and we rediscover and rest on real hope. So if you find yourself in a season of waiting, You're in good company, and there's good news. God is on the move. So what does it look like now, finally, to find God in the waiting? How do we wait well? Well, I mentioned this earlier, but one of my favorite Christmas songs that I'm sure we will sing next week is Joy to the World. And I love that that line which says, Let every heart prepare him room. This Christmas season, is there room in our heart to become aware of the presence of Jesus, for how God is moving and speaking and what God is doing in our lives. It's so easy, isn't it, to be consumed with the busyness of the Christmas season with all the presents and the family and the fun and the festivities and the incredible food. Who's excited about Christmas food this year? I'm ready. I'm so excited. But often our hearts at Christmas can be like the inn in Luke chapter 2 says in verse 7, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Advent is a season to look back, to look forward, but also to make room in our lives for the king, to prepare him room. Do we find it difficult in our modern, busy lives to prepare room for Jesus to dwell? Is there space, if we're honest, for him in our lives and in our homes and in our families. Advent is about waiting and longing, but it isn't a passive wait. It's not a wait where we sit there and do nothing. We could play video games full of turkey or a vegan alternative and wait idly by. But the call of Advent is to prepare him room. We do that as we wait. We live awake to what he is doing. We partner with him as we wait. We pay attention to the ordinary moments in our life when God seems to draw close 
And God seems to work, often slowly, often quietly, often in the waiting. Is there room in our hearts for Jesus to live and be king this Christmas? Or am I simply too full of other things? Full of worries or burdens or anxieties or fears? Do we give that stuff room in our heart instead of Jesus? Career progression, pleasure, comfort, ease, relationships. Do we give these things room in our heart at the expense of Jesus? I wonder how much of our unrest and our anxieties are found in our life because we simply give them room to live and breathe in our hearts other than Jesus. The thing that should set us apart in this world as followers of Jesus is what we allow room for in our life. And in this Christmas season, may we have space and room in our heart for Jesus in the midst of the good times and in the midst of bad. Do we have enough room for Jesus the King to take center stage in our lives? Or is he the add-on in the Christmas story? Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.